Well, hi everyone. Lovely to see you all. Um, so my name's Di and I'm one of the lead team here at the Foundry Community Church. Um, and it is an incredible privilege to be able to share with you from God's Word this morning. It's not something that I take lightly at all. And I appreciate that many of you come from perhaps difficult circumstances and you've got this moment now where you can sit in God's presence and where you can wait and hear him speak to you. And I believe he's already speaking. I believe through the worship he's already been talking to hearts that are in here today. And we've just declared, haven't we, that he is our cornerstone. And that's who we're going to be uh, looking at today. Uh, so just as we've started off, um, I wanted to know if you've met anyone famous and uh, I'd like a few answers, and then I'm going to tell you about my famous person. Robbie Morrison, who is it? Van Morrison. Van Morrison. Oh, a bit of a link there. I like that one. Go on. Any other face? Oh, yeah. Daniel? Who's that? A famous flute player. Oh, flute player. That's really good. Get you. Oh, Jane Holland. Norman Wisdom. <laughs> Can anyone, Linda, have you got your hand up? Miranda Hart. Oh, was she? Okay. For the, so you mentioned Miranda Hart before the Queen then. That's, that's fair enough. I'm still with Norman Wisdom. Lynn, you waving at me. Oh, Prince Charles, who's going to be the king? Okay, okay. Have we got any other? Jess. Jess. You don't know how significant that actually is. You really do not know. Oh, Ray, go on. Paul McCartney. Oh, bit of a Scouse accent there, Paul McCartney. Alex, go on. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He's better than Norman Wisdom. Ian? Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels. Oh, Daniel. Joe Gomez. Can we have a cheer for Joe Gomez? Who is it? Yeah? Don't know who he is. Bob Geldof. Right, okay. Well, that's, that's real. Oh, go on, Janet. Russell. Oh, get you. Oh, a bit of a deal going on there. I like it. <laughs> Right, well, I'm just going to show you a picture now of someone I met that is the most famous person I know, but only as in the most famous person I've met. But the problem is, like I've said before, often when I'm in these situations, I say something that is completely stupid and embarrassing, and I did not let myself down on this occasion. So first, the picture's going to come up. There he is, Jess, who is it? It is Governor B. Right, so Governor B is a rapper. He has got 10 albums out. He's released two books. He's won two MOBO awards. He's a broadcaster. He's got his own range of clothing called Allo Mate. And I think that is a pretty cool range of clothing. But the thing is, a few years ago now, as a church, we used to run something called Summer Youth Camp. And for 10 years, we ran SYC. And Steve Royal on the tech desk is actually wearing an SYC T-shirt today. So that authenticates what I'm saying. So Steve um, 
was at all these youth camps. And one day we had a guest, Governor B was coming. And I might say Jess used to fancy him. I might not be wrong on that, might I, Jess? Just, just saying. And he was coming. And I had to like, my job there was to greet people as they arrived. And I was greeting Governor B. And he's like a rapper. He's won Mobos. He's just like so cool. He's got his own clothing range. And I had to say hello to him. So he arrives. And I said to him, hi. You know when you get a bit over the top, like, hi. Like, lovely to meet you. So pleased that you're here. It's great that we can have you here at SYC. And he was like, thank you. And then it was my next question. So the next thing I said to him, well, no, I said to him, would you like a cup of coffee? Can we get you a drink? And he said, I'm fine, thank you. And then he said, actually, he said, I went to Barton Grange and we've had a coffee there, so I'm all right. I was okay. And the next thing I said to him was, did you go to the toilet when you were there? Did you go to the toilet when you were there? And these words were just out of my mouth before I could even think. But the thing is, when I heard Barton Grange, those of you who've been to Barton Grange will know that the men's toilets are spectacular. Can we have the picture up on screen, please? That is a men's toilet. That's a men's urinal at Barton Grange Garden Centre. I kid you not. So when I heard Barton Grange, that, I wanted to know if Governor B had been to the toilet. Oh, no. But at that moment, Governor B, I just saw like his lip go like that. You know when you're just trying not to laugh and you just go like that? And I was like, anyway, let's go and meet you. Let's go and introduce you to someone who's like quite sane. But it's, it's awful because I say the wrong things at the wrong moment. Um, and it just gets a bit embarrassing. But I feel like that with Jesus, he says the right words at the right time in the right place to us. And that's what we're here for today, isn't it? We want to hear his words. We want to have him speak into our lives with the right words at the right time in the right place to us. Um, Now, I've got a bit of an object lesson for you. Uh, Not object lesson, something to look at. Because I want to tell you about four lads that I was at school with. So I kind of need these people to come up. So a couple of them are already primed. So... um, Paul Daniels isn't, but you come up, Paul Daniels. Sergey, you've been a willing volunteer, haven't you? Is he there? Thank you. Liam, where's Liam? Liam looks about 63, so that's why I need him. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. Jed, come on, Jed. Come on, let's have you. Don't sit there all looking cup. Now, I need you this way a little bit so that people can see you all this way, all this way, this way. So you're on the uh, before the yellow line. And just to say... Come on, Jed, inside that yellow line. This is a non-speaking part, okay? It's just so you can actually get a visible <laughs> impression of something. So when I was at school, um, and this is probably 45 years ago now that I'm talking about, but in the year above me, there were four guys. And these four guys, we didn't know the name. These four guys were known by a nickname, which was the herd, okay? And if you were at school, the herd were always together. The herd came to school together. The herd left school together. The herd were in the playground. The herd went to science. The herd were in the dining hall. You you moved around as like a unit. 
You never saw just one on their own. They were the herd. They weren't the science guys. They weren't the sports guys. <laughs> they weren't the IT guys. <laughs> they weren't the pretty boys. They were just the herd. They were the ordinary guys who came and went and moved around. And we didn't know their name. But we saw them move it. Thank you, herd. Thank you for being that. I appreciate you. Thank you. And obviously, there are pretty boys there as well. But the, this school herd weren't. But my friend, who was in the year above with the herd, she'd sometimes say to me, I sat with the herd at lunchtime, or I was with the herd in English, or I was chatting to the herd, or I walked to school with the herd. So she never gave them four names. It was always the herd. That's what they were known as. And when I think about Jesus, he had 12 guys that followed him. And I think if I'd lived in those times, I would refer to those 12 disciples as the herd, because they were always there. You saw Jesus on the Mount of Olives, you saw the herd. You saw Jesus out in a boat preaching, you saw the herd. You saw people being fed with a tiny amount of loaves and fishes, and the herd gave it out, and it fed thousands. The herd were with Jesus. And they were my, my, that's what I would call them if I lived in that day. And I think that if you were an onlooker, and if you were on the Mount of Olives as Jesus was preaching, you would see Jesus and you'd look at these 12 men and you would like know some of them. You'd go, well, those two were fishermen and their dad had a business. And that guy, he, he was a tax collector. He actually like stole from our family because he took money that really we couldn't afford to pay. And he didn't pay it all over, he pocketed it. He was a wealthy one. And they'd look at another one and they'd say he was the political activist of the group. He wanted to see reform and change. But now he's like following Jesus, he's in the herd. And his passion is different. There was another one and his name was Judas. And he had the purse. And people will have observed people giving money to Judas. They're the donations to keep this work going. And Judas had a purse it went into. And they noticed that Judas paid out for things. He was the one who was the treasurer who looked after the money. And some of the guys in the group were like unknown. Don't know the jobs, with the background, what they came from. But this herd followed Jesus. And for three years, for three years of Jesus' life, they were like inseparable and moved around together. And it came then to Good Friday. And Jesus had said to them, only the night before, I've got to die. And they'd said, don't leave us. Don't go to die. They wanted Jesus to kind of go on forever in an earthly way. But Jesus told them, I will die but I will rise again. On the third day, I will come back. I will be alive. And they just like looked at him, kind of not sure how all this was going to work its way out. And Good Friday happened. And many of those 12 disciples were not there at the cross because it tells us that they deserted him. But Peter and John kind of walked a little bit further and Peter walked a little bit further on that journey, on that Good Friday journey with Jesus. 
but he denied him three times and went away. And John was there at the cross. John heard the words of Jesus from the cross when Jesus could like hardly breathe, when he was struggling to get his last breath. And he said to John, behold, my mother, look after her. And he said to Mary, John will look after you. That was some of his final words from the cross, making sure his mother was cared for. And suddenly, the, the verses tell us, don't they, that Jesus cries out from the cross three words, it is finished, and he breathes his last, and darkness over the land. What do the disciples do? Saturday the next day, Saturday, and they're mulling over everything that they've seen, the memories of Jesus, the last time that they spoke to him, the last thing he said, the last look between the two of them. And that's all in their heads, and they know they weren't there at his last moments. They've said, he'll, he'll rise again. But have they really grasped it? And so suddenly, it's Sunday. And that's where we're going to kind of just pick it up now, the story from John. It's Sunday night. Good Friday's happened. Easter Saturday has passed. And it's Resurrection Sunday. And I'll probably read these words and then just keep stopping and filling in a little bit of the story. So, are we, yeah, good to go. So, John 20, uh, the words will come up on the screen. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came. So first of all, it's evening. They're in the upper room again. That upper room, a place where Jesus had washed their feet previously. A place where previously he'd taken bread and he'd taken wine and he said, I want you to remember me this way. And they're in the same place and it's evening and the candlelight is flickering. And they sat there and they're just thinking about Jesus. They're thinking, I've let him down. I've let him down. I wasn't there. They're processing all the thoughts. And they're having to process as well the fact that Judas, who was one of them, one of the herd, was no longer with them because he'd gone and taken his own life. He wasn't there anymore. And they thought, like that person that I knew, we, I, I felt I knew him for three years and he's gone and done this. And their world is rocked because someone turns out to be different than they thought and they're processing it all. And it's just like so complicated because Mary has met Jesus. Jesus has risen from the tomb. Mary's met her and Mary's telling the disciples, I've seen him, I've seen him. And like, would you be thinking, why hasn't he come to us first? Or how come it was Mary? And then there's another couple who are out walking and they walk on the, on the road and unknown to them, Jesus actually joins them and they have this massive conversation and they don't realise who he is. They don't realise the risen Jesus is walking with them. And then he gets to their house and they open the doors and they break bread together and they see it is Jesus. So immediately they spin round and head back to Jerusalem to tell the herd we've seen him, we've seen Jesus. And they're like, these are reliable witnesses. But Jesus 
um, has appeared to them, but not the disciples as yet. And they're there. They're in this upper room. They're locked in. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders because they know what happened to Jesus. And are they thinking, what's going to happen to me? Are they a little bit afraid of meeting Jesus again? Do you know, because it didn't end well. It didn't end well with them. They went. They deserted him. When Jesus said to them, I'm going to die for you, they were like, no, no, don't, don't do it. But actually, they left him before he left them. And suddenly, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Jesus, when he spoke to them, he spoke peace. He didn't speak criticism. He didn't speak rebuke. It wasn't a telling off. It was pure love and grace and concern for them. It wasn't a list of, well, you, you didn't stay around. You did this, you did that. Jesus just said to them, peace, peace be with you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. And as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And at that point, they are giddy.com, right? They've gone from, we haven't seen him to, we have seen the Lord. We have seen him. We've seen his hands. We've seen his side. He is alive. Just like Mary said, just like that other couple said, Jesus is alive. It's true. And Thomas is a bit like, well, he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. That's still his message. Peace. Not the turmoil, not the confusion, not the distress in the lives, but peace. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. I feel immensely grateful to Thomas because he waited another week before he saw Jesus. But he said, unless I see, I won't believe and you know, like when I said about my friend at the start, how she was in the same year as the herd at school, but she wasn't one of them. Sometimes she joined them in lessons and sometimes she walked with them or stood with them in the playground, but she wasn't one of the herd. And I want to ask today, because this is such an important question, are you a believer in Jesus? Are you a follower in Jesus? Or are you kind of hanging on to the herd? Is this something that is real and true and important to you or not? Are you just following on? Is it like maybe your family have always come to church and you were just part of it? 
because they come. But is it yours? Is this faith yours? And for Thomas, he could look at Jesus that day and he could see the nail marks in his hands and he could reach his hand into his side and he could say, my Lord, my God, my. It's important, my. And these are the words which is just so beautiful next because it says, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And for every person in here today, every person who is watching our service online, if you have claimed Jesus as your own, if you said your yes to following him, you're in that verse. You are blessed because although we haven't physically seen him, we've believed. We have believed that he is now the master, the God, the author of our lives, and he is leading us on. I wanted to just um, ask Tom and Kemi if they wouldn't mind coming back up now, if that's all right, because in a moment we're going to be singing our, our final song. Um, I think, just to finish off, when we see those disciples that heard that day in the upper room, the doors were locked because they were afraid. And fear contains people. But Jesus sets them free. He, in his message to them when he spoke to them that day, Jesus said to them, like my father sent me, I am sending you. He didn't want them contained in that room. He wanted them to go out in the power of his spirit into the world, into a community where Jesus wasn't known and to make Jesus known. And today... I just wonder, do you feel you've let him down? Do you feel that like you've not done what you said you'd do? Do you feel that you, you're like, you've promised stuff to God, but not kept that promise? But the, the response that you will get from Jesus is peace be with you. And what he wants to do is he wants to breathe his spirit back into you again so that he can send you out to crack on with what it is he needs you to do. He wants you to know that the bones of your body are worth it. He wants you to know that you have got a purpose to fulfill and it doesn't matter what's just been passed. What it matters is now. And we would really, we'd really love, we've got a team of people who are here, if you would like prayer, if you feel that something has kind of resonated with you and we can pray, pray about moving on. Um, in this song that we're going to sing now, if you want to make your way over to that side of the room, there'll be people there who will pray for you. We're going to sing together, if you would stand with me please, we're going to sing together a song which is called Tremble. And it talks about Jesus dispelling the darkness and he talks about breaking the silence and he talks about breathing new life into us and the spirit and that these bones will serve him again so during this time please concentrate listen to these words and I just pray that God will richly bless you as you as you sing and as you connect with him